All right. What a wonderful service we've had so far. It's great to be together on a Sunday morning and sing and pray and worship God with other believers. Amen. We are uh, indeed closing out our series in the book of Daniel today. And uh, as Mark said, I hope it's been uh, both an inspiring and challenging study in God's word over these last several weeks. We can go ahead and open our Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. We've been calling the series Dream. And just by way of review, as we're turning the pages and scrolling over to chapter 12, let's just rewind the tape and remember all that we have learned. In uh, chapter 1 of Daniel, Israel has been captured by Babylon. They're taken into captivity. And particularly these four teenagers, Daniel and his three buddies, uh, we find them in the palace working for the enemy, but uncompromising in their faith. And we see that faith grow throughout the chapters. From a teenager, Daniel grows in chapter 2. God helps Daniel to interpret the king's dream, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And then after that, Daniel and his buddies start to rise to prominent positions in Babylon. In chapter 3, his buddies didn't bow down uh, to the idol that was made. And so they were thrown into the fiery furnace, but it turns out their faith was fireproof and they didn't burn. And Jesus made a cameo and became the fourth person in there and helped them to survive. In chapter 4, the king had a nightmare. Daniel interprets the end of his empire. The king goes ballistic, goes crazy, seven years of insanity, acting like a wolf man, and then comes back and praises God. In chapter 5, the empire hits rock bottom. And they're searching for a scapegoat. So quickly to chapter 6, Daniel then is thrown into the lion's den. But do the lions eat him? No, of course not. We know better than that. Too much faith there. And he rises up by that great faith. In chapter 7 and 8, there's a new king on the scene. All the political turmoil, uh, different name, same turmoil, different king, same crazy politics. Daniel has visions of these beasts. And the four of them represents each of the empire's that's going to fall in the next several hundred years. And he goes through the list. Babylon's going to fall. Persia's going to fall. Greece is going to fall. Rome is going to fall. And it's amazing to read these prophetic visions as they are exactly the way history then plays out as you follow the story through the hundreds of years. And then in chapter 9, Daniel's 80 years old, in his 80s, still a young buck full of fire, and a new empire, new king, new, new politics, same old stuff though, and he's exhausted. He's overwhelmed. He gets this vision and he learns about the price of vision. And instead of complaining about a situation, he decides to dig back in in his faith and he prays, God, please forgive me and forgive our nation for falling away from you. And then he starts to get a picture of the answer. And we get little glimpses of what that answer is going to be. Little glimpses in phrases like the son of man. This angelic warrior dressed in linen. This prince of princes. This anointed one. And of course we know that we're getting predictions here of Jesus the Savior that will come and save his people. And then in chapter 10, Daniel gets a glimpse of spiritual warfare like he's never seen. Angels and demons fighting for souls. And then chapter 11, the vision of the future is more war. And the people of God are facing the most terrible persecution they've ever faced up to that point. And the enemy will stop at nothing to get his vengeance against them and their God. But again, there's hope. There's always hope. And there's a divine hope. 
And we close our study today with that last chapter and the hope of a light at the end of the tunnel. You guys ready for this? Now, before we get into chapter 12 proper, we've learned a lot, haven't we? This has been eight weeks, but we have jam-packed it full of all kinds of good stuff and good challenge and good inspiration. Now, some people argue that Daniel is perhaps one of the most complicated books of the Bible. Raise your hand if you felt like that at the beginning of the study, but as we've gone these last several weeks, it has cleared up a lot for you. All right, good. All right, that was a a risk for me. I mean, if only three people raised their hand, that would have been rough publicly. But yeah, I'm glad that worked out, and thank you for being honest. I would also say that this study has been timely. Uh, Definitely for me it has, as I've been studying the scriptures here. But it's teaching me again reminding me and challenging me that God is in control regardless of the circumstances. He's in control of the nation's future. No politician or empire can ever thwart God's plan. And but it forces us to trust him. Sometimes that's not easy when you're watching TV and looking at all the crazy stuff happening, right? It's important that we don't get bogged down in the ways of this world. And I'll put it like this. Our feet may be here on the ground, on earth, but our heads need to be in heaven, investing in our spiritual future. Now, the other day I caught a few minutes of Jeopardy. Any Jeopardy lovers here? All right, all seven of you. Okay, you'll appreciate this. And uh, I was watching this and I had to record it with my phone uh, because I didn't know how else to get it at the time. But uh, Lonnie here on your left has built a sizable lead and, uh, you know, she's, she's 14K and, you know, next closest to Joel, uh, you know, about half as much. And uh, she basically lands on Double Jeopardy. And for those that don't understand the game, Double Jeopardy is an opportunity for you to answer a question just by yourself, no competition, and you can wager as much of the money as you have. So in this situation, she can wager up to $14,200, right? She could double her money. And it's so interesting because... The category she lands on is people of the Bible. And how do you think she responded when she was heading into that category? I mean, basically, she can pretty much seal her victory at this point. We're in the second round here. And this is the $800 question. It's only the second hardest question on the column. So you guys ready to see what happens? All right, let's see this play out. Now there's one category left, Lonnie. Uh, biblical book 800. Answer. Amy Bevel. At the moment, the game is not quite a runaway for you. Uh, 800. All right, here's the clue. The heat is on Abednego and his friends when they show up in this book. Um, what is, I don't know. (laughs) What is Daniel? Okay. Daniel. All right. You drop a bit. All right. That could have been you up there, right? $14,000 question. Now, I'm not trying to knock Lonnie, but uh, she represents actually most of America. Uh, And whether or not she's a Christian, over 70% of people in this nation claim to walk with Jesus and read his word. But they do not know the Bible. And we have this divine gift of the word. And we have a great honor and responsibility to share it. 
So not just that Lonnie can get the question right next time, but that people can be saved by the truth. Amen. So we've got our word cut out for us today. Daniel chapter 12, shine like stars. There's too much darkness. It's time to decide either to shine for the first time or to revive that light that's inside of you that needs to come out and share with the world. Daniel chapter 12, starting in verse one. It says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Now we're going to stop there for just a minute and we're going to pick apart a few of these passages uh, in the chapter as we do every week. One of the things that's really cool with the book of Daniel, and we haven't done much of this for sake of time throughout the weeks, but you can use the book of Revelation in the New Testament as sort of a deciphering code to help you understand a lot of what's going on in the book of Daniel. These are sort of Old and New Testament twins that share a lot of the same context, and you can actually find answers in one another. I want to give you an example of that with the scripture that we just read in verse 1. If you were to just read Daniel 12 at the beginning and hear about this great battle that's going to take place, and then you jumped into Revelation chapter 12 and read verse 7 and nine through 9, you would see the parallels and a fulfillment spiritually of what takes place uh, over 2,000 years earlier. In verse 7, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Another example here, if you drop down to Revelation 13 and verse 2, remember those four animals that represented the different empires that we read about? Can anyone yell out some of the animals you remember? A lion, a bear, leopard, and then this kind of beastly dragon thing, right? So check this out. In verse uh, 2 of chapter 13, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a, and a mouth like that of a, and the dragon gave the beast his power and the throne of his great authority. What's happening here? We're seeing now the fulfillment of all those empires because it's a dual prophecy. It's not just about what was going to happen with those empires falling. And we talked about this before. It also is talking about the end times. And when there's this eternal battle that takes place over all souls, some people talk about it as Judgment Day, the eschological times. We've seen movies about it. We hear doomsdayers talk about it. But here the Bible gives us a little light. And what it says is Satan, the evil one, becomes the culmination of all those beasts and empires. He's the most evil that you can imagine outside of this world and is going to attack you in ways that you've not been attacked before. We see the parallels in these two books and it helps us to understand. It's also encouraging to note that even though we have seen a lot, a lot of war, a lot of battle, our history is filled with bloodshed. If you look through the books and you look forward and you say, man, I don't know that it looks so much better, but the Bible gives us hope and encouragement that the battle has already been written and it's already been won. So it's just a matter of surviving this great battle, thriving with faith like Daniel did with his buddies to make it to the end and to see that victory day come at judgment. The future defeat of Satan is already written. And after unknown eons of warfare in eternity, we know the anointed one is victorious. Now there's a prophecy also about the people of the earth and what will happen to us after we pass through our material existence. And so it's important to note right off the bat 
that we're not just looking at something that happens far away or in a distant future or in an alternate universe. This relates to us now as we live our lives. Now, let's go back to Daniel chapter 12. That was just verse 1. Now verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And we'll stop there. We hear about people whose name is found written in the book of life. You want your name there, right? You remember roll call for the uh, first day of school when you were growing up in grade school? Remember the teacher would say your name, and then what would you have to say? Here, right? I remember French class all the time. You know, they would ask if you're there in French, and all I remember, EC, EC, right? That means here. No one took French. Okay, I have no one else to corroborate that truth. Yeah, they'd say, they'd say your name, John Murkowski, and you say here. And the teacher would say, you know, if you don't hear your name in my book, you know, if you went through all roll and you're not there, come see me after class. And you know something's wrong. Okay, if you made it to the master teacher's book on the first day of eternity, you're set. Everlasting life, according to the passage here. If you're not in that book, everlasting shame and contempt. You don't want to risk it, right? You have one chance to live your life. Make it count. And here's the message for the living. Get right with God. Get right with God. Grab the light and once you do, share it everywhere you go. Shine it everywhere and never stop till your last breath. In chapter 12, verse 3, and this is our text that we're going to sit on for today. And I'll put it on the screen. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Has anyone ever called you a star before? Anyone ever call you a superstar? You ever called someone else a star? I don't believe that there are any accidental analogies in Scripture. I think when God worked through Daniel and the prophecy that he was receiving, I think this was absolutely meant to be made, this illustration that those who are wise, those that lead others to the Lord and to righteousness, are like the stars. So let's jump into it. There are more stars than all of the grains of sand added up on the entire earth. Can you imagine going to the beach and grabbing a handful of sand and throwing it up? Countless amounts of grains. There are more stars just in our galaxy alone. Our galaxy is approximately 250 billion stars and estimated by astronomers that there are 100 billion other galaxies with hundreds of billions of stars in those other galaxies. Hard to even comprehend, right? We're zooming into the Milky Way here. There are stars out there we don't even know about. And if saints are like stars, it reminds me when Jesus tells Paul in Acts 18, I have many people in the city. Souls that will be saints that we don't even know about yet. And so when God in his bird's eye view zooms in on our planet and looks at what we're doing, he sees potential people, souls that will be converted, saints that will become stars that shine so brightly that more people will come to know him. You know, stars are both tiny and huge. A pulsar is a small star made up of neutrons so densely packed together that if one of them the size of a silver dollar landed on the earth, it would weigh approximately 100 million tons. On the other side, 
The Alpha Hercules is 25 times larger than the circumference of the Earth's orbit around the sun. Unbelievable. Hard to even imagine how big these things are. So question, with all these huge, dense entities out there in space, why aren't why isn't gravitational pulls being messed up left and right? Why aren't things crashing together? Well, it's amazing. If you look at Psalm 8, you can just answer from the Bible. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and your stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Newton says all stars equally distributed in every direction, meaning that there is a perfect balance. In other words, scientists confirm that the stars have been placed perfectly right where they're supposed to be. Who placed them? A lot of people don't want to say, but we know. And when we listen to our maker and we stay in the place we are supposed to be, and when we don't get out of control and do the things we want to do, then we won't crash into each other. And he helps us to continue on our path. You know, different stars operate at different levels of luminosity, different brightness. And like us, we're brighter when we're closer to the source. Like Moses's face, why was he glowing when he came down from the mountain? Because he had spent time with the Lord, right? With God. And we become brighter stars when we're spending good time with God. You know, you have a choice what to use your light for. You know, you use your light to attract attention and that could be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Attracting attention. Or sometimes we can use light to distract other people. But I give you an illustration of a small little movie here that happened uh, that was captured. Uh, I don't exactly know where this is, but watch carefully. I'll let it play again. Basically, there's a person inside of this thing, basically impersonating a, a red stoplight uh, blinker or something. The cops see him pull back. When he turns and realizes he's about to get caught, he runs, right? You know, Acts 20 warns us of wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Wolves in sheep's clothing that want to divide the sheep, that want to hurt the flock. 2 Corinthians 2 warns of light bearers who get caught up raising, they want to just raise, they want money. And so they infiltrate the fellowship, try to make deals for themselves. Simon the sorcerer is a good example of that. Wanted power, but didn't necessarily want repentance. And so you've got to use your light wisely. Use your light wisely. You know, some stars turn into black holes. Basically, there's too much gravity, too much weighing them down. Some of us saintly stars have a lot of baggage things that weigh us down, things that we're not willing to let go of, things that we're filled with bitterness and resentment about. And we're not ready to give up and move on. And that gravity, that spiritual gravity pulls us down. We become black holes in the fellowship, sucking up the energy of the fellowship. To be careful of this great analogy that saints are like stars. Some of the brightest stars that we know about here, Vega, bright star, the reason they're so bright is because there's an internal pressure that prevents it from collapsing on its own gravity. See, there's a lot of pressure on the outside coming in, but its internal grit and pressure on the inside withstands the external pressure and is able to grow brighter. Sound familiar? Anyone feel any external pressure in their lives in New York City today? Right? Think bills bearing down on you? 
all the responsibilities that you have in your relationships with your family, with career, making the grade, school, graduation, blah, blah, blah. It's like piles on. And you feel that external pressure. How are you going to be a bright star with external pressure? You have to have an internal pressure, a grit, a character that is able to not just withstand the external pressure, but to thrive in it. Some stars, they bond together. Even galaxies can bond together. They become what they call in a stable orbit, gravitationally bound. You know what's so cool in the fellowship is that we in relationship can become gravitationally bound. Stars in a similar orbit, becoming best friends, becoming roommates, becoming uh, encouragement partners and prayer partners and discipling partners, building each other up. Sometimes it even happens in a romantic way. Brothers and sisters fall in love. We've got a lot of that happening. Six weddings coming up in the next few months. A lot of gravitational binding happening in our fellowship. See, saints are like stars. One of the coolest things I think about stars is once the hydrogen fuel at the core is exhausted in a star, that star then evolves into a degenerate form, recycling a portion of the matter into the interstellar environment where it will form a new generation of stars with a higher proportion of heavy elements. Did you get all that? Yeah. Basically, stars leave a legacy. After they're gone, they make more. Whatever was left of the matter of that star gets reformed into many new stars. They make other stars around them better. They help others illuminate. They don't just hog the spotlight for themselves. Jesus said it best, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Stars leave legacies. Our goal is to be like these stars. Amen. To let God place you just where you need to be, following the path he's laid out for you, drawing close to him in your spiritual walk so you can be brilliant for him, using our light for good, letting go of the baggage, bonding with other stars, and most importantly, leaving a legacy that will last much longer than your lifetime. Stars also distinguish light from darkness. If you read through the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, God sets the stars in the expanse of the sky to give light on earth. Light also exposes what is in the darkness. Just on my street, a few blocks from here, they set up a spotlight at night. I think they were noticing as NYPD spotlight. Some of you might have them in your neighborhoods. And there was uh, some crime happening uh, on the street when it was dark. And uh, not the, the spotlight, the normal street lights weren't doing a good enough job to shed light. All they did was set up this very bright light that goes on when it gets dark and goes off when it gets light in the morning. And it actually works. It deters crime just with a big light in the middle of the sidewalk. Now it works. Too bad it had to come from the outside, I think. Better if the neighborhood said, you know what, we have something going on. Why don't we install light? Why don't we try to shed light on the situation, expose the situation, see what happens. And sometimes we can make the same mistake. We want to take our light and shine it on everybody else and say, oh, well, you're, you're doing this. and I'm going to expose your darkness. How about taking the light and exposing our own darkness? How about turning that back on ourselves rather than making the judgments and criticisms of everybody else and say, well, it's my job to expose what other people are doing. How about expose yourself? 
and be humble enough to say, let me shed the light on my sidewalk, on my street, on the darker side of the moon, if you know what I'm saying. And to get some help with the areas that get exposed. Jesus says the righteous will shine like the sun. You know what the sun is? That's a star. It's a superstar. So if you're righteous and not self-righteous, that light will shine for the best. Paul says shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. See, the Bible's a flashlight meant to show the road ahead, not to stick in people's faces and blind them with. Because that's what we can do sometimes. Say, Bible, 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 and we shove it in people's faces. You're wrong. I'm right. Here's the Bible. Can't you see it? It's like a flashlight. Do you love when people show a flashlight in your eyes? No, shine it on the road so I can see where I'm going. Use the Bible to help me understand what my next steps are so that I can grow. Sometimes we want to expose the whole world of all of its corruption, and we feel like we're the first ones to do it. We get angry at the darkness. We act surprised when we see the darkness. I love what Eleanor Roosevelt said. It's better to light a candle than curse the darkness. You know, Daniel was a superstar. Before you curse the times and go on a rampage about the election and the nation and the world and how corrupt it is, remember Daniel for a moment. A captured teenage slave oppressed as a minority in a corrupt political environment. They stole him from his family, from his people. They tried to erase his culture. They tried to shame him. They did shame him. And he lived in a state of constant threat of torture and execution under insane dictators. But instead of cursing his circumstances, he prays and he lights a godly fire. Yes, he got overwhelmed with what he saw. And sometimes we can get overwhelmed with what we see. But look at what the angels tell him in Daniel chapter 12 in verse 9. Go your way, Daniel. And I say the same to you. Go your way. Because the words are rolled up and sealed till the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined. But the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. In verse 13, as for you, go your way. All the way to the end. All the way to the finish line. We have the New York Marathon today. Finish the race. And you will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. As for you, sister, as for you, brother, go your way. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. There will always be wickedness in this world. Always. And we do what we can to make sure we're not wicked and to try to help others. But sometimes people go where we cannot follow. Even if it's just to help them. I'm not saying the path of a star is easy. In fact, it's quite challenging. It says here that you will be purified. You will be made spotless and refined. That is not an easy process. But if you go God's way to the end, you will be in his book during that heavenly roll call. In the last book of the Bible, in John's Revelation, he finishes what Daniel started. Now read this to you as we close out today. 
I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, on that day, the creator himself will provide the brightest light that there is. And again, we get the glimpse of the answer. His son, the lamb, the anointed one, the angelic warrior, the prince of peace. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He was 2000 years ago. He was for the Israeli people throughout generations waiting for their Messiah. And he is for us today. And the whole world will walk by his light. It's a dream come true. It's a God's dream for us. The path for us to be superstars in this lifetime. Understanding that we're going to undergo trials. Understanding that we need to be refined. Understanding we're going to see the world for what it is and be overwhelmed. But that in that broken world, in that messed up world, we're going to shine to the best of our ability. We're going to turn that flashlight on ahead of us and help as many people get to the finish line as possible. Today, as we pray for the communion, please keep these things in your mind and ask yourself, am I that star? And pray to become what he wants us to be. As we pray for the communion, the usher is going to hand out not our normal little plastic cups with the cracker and the juice, but uh, a different little cup with juice and cracker. Please be careful and allow extra time as they give us something different today. And thank you for your patience. Let's bow our heads and pray for the communion. Father, we are so grateful for the book of Daniel. Thank you for schooling us these last eight weeks, teaching us, challenging us, inspiring us. We love that Daniel is in a similar situation to us, politically, emotionally, environmentally, spiritually. He can relate to what we go through, feeling overwhelmed by our circumstances, feeling the external pressure, feeling political turmoil, feeling the craziness of a nation and not knowing exactly what to do. But Father, that he gives us an example to drop on our knees and pray to you to have faith that when we're in the lion's den and when those lions open their mouths, you shut them. You make up the difference. You make us fireproof. Father, remind us that it's not a matter of if we get in the fire. It's a matter of when. That we've got fires that are all around us now and coming for us in the future. God, prepare us for those challenges. Prepare us for the spiritual war. Prepare us for what's to come. God, we want to make it to that finish line. Just like many of our brothers and sisters running the race right now. And Al and Ross and Felicia and Helena. And as they run, God, be with them. God, as we run spiritually, be with us. We want to reach that finish line. We want to be in your book. And we want to thank you for Jesus who ran the race ahead of us, who is our savior, who is the anointed one, who is the angelic warrior that knows exactly what to do and helps us know exactly what to say. 
God, thank you for that he died on the cross. Thank you that he predicted and lived exactly the victory that we are going to witness again, the resurrection of all things. New Jerusalem, a new city, a place where there's no night, no tears, no pain, no bloodshed. God, thank you that that's what is ahead of us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. We love him so. Amen.